this week is the beginning of spring. Uh, and for Oklahoma, that means it's the beginning of terrible weather season slash the greatest weather in the entire world season. Um, of course, you know, we're Tornado Alley. But uh, as always, um, I think all of us here on the show are massive fans of thunderstorms. And I, uh, I think Carl might even have a, a couple uh, uh, quick tips on how to survive the worst slash best season on the planet. Well, yeah, you know, I just got I, I, I was reading up on storm chasing earlier today. And so I just, you know, I got some of the technical terms so we could talk about this stuff because, you know, we, we use words like rain cool, or something cool. all the time. And it's it's wrong. You know, the real term, right, you've got your bone, boneless hail. That's what most people call rain, but it's not. It's boneless hail. But then you've got your bone-in rain. You know, it's like it's like a T-bone, but coming out of the sky, and that's actually hail. Um, if, if any of you went or going to meteorology college, you, you should know these terms already. Uh, I do want to warn everybody about the shocky boys. Um, those guys are mean. Better be careful. What about the um, loud boys? Uh, the loud boys, the loud boys are just, you know, they're kind of like barking spiders. You're, you, you keep hearing them after you eat beans, uh, but they're the sky's version. My, um, my dog really, 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 really hates loud boys. He, uh, he, he, he hides under the covers, uh, when the loud boys are out. It's pretty rough. I mean, you gotta be careful around loud boys. They got, they got, to be fair, loud boys have a bunch of bark, but they don't really have any bite. That's the shocky except, boys. Yeah, um, except for the shocky boys. <laughs> the literal um, beam of electricity coming from the heavens is the bite. The, <laughs> the actual hammer of Thor. The one real thing <laughs> in any superhero movie. Um, you also gotta watch out. We got we got a bunch of different kind of snacks in Oklahoma, but you gotta watch out for the windy snacks. Like, they'll, they'll get you. Those will get you. And if you live in Moore, Oklahoma, you don't need to worry any more than anyone else. It's a statistical <laughs> fact that Moore is just unlucky. Uh, it's it's not it's not any more dangerous. Um, you need to watch out for your angry cricks. You know, sometimes it rains a lot, and they get really angry, and then they're just gonna go over the borders and and drown your dog or wash away your car. Don't drive into them. Actually, in all seriousness. <laughs> No matter how much I love watching those videos. Yeah, but they look pretty shallow. They're probably good. We all have a close friend um, who, when I was living with him, uh, (laughs) managed to drive his Honda Accord into what he believed was not a flooded street and (laughs) flooded his engine. (laughs) Those angry creeks, they're very angry, okay? (laughs) Yeah. It only takes about an inch, you know, and, uh, and they'll fuck you up. Um, but probably the biggest one, I know that normally they take out cows, but sometimes the alien motherships will spawn windy snakes. So you got to watch out for them. Um, then you got your blue squiggles, you know, your cold fronts. Uh, got your brown boys, your dry lines, or your marfa boys, depending on, on how you want to call them. Um, and, you know, y'all... I call them heart uh, just boys. Be a, <laughs> That's a, that's Just a subtle, uh, high-frequency uh, aeronautics radio provision association. I don't – fuck. What does HARP stand for again? High-frequency something. I don't remember. HARP boys. <laughs> but probably, probably the most important thing about spring bad weather in Oklahoma is um, get a video. You know, 
safety is less important than the cool video. If you're going to drive your car through the angry creek, get a video. If there's a windy snack, like, we all remember that tornado that hit Stillwater and everybody was getting selfies with the tornado. Like, that's... <laughs> That's Oklahoma, okay? Guys, I don't, run, I don't run away from the tornadoes, but after you finish your beer. Because <laughs> you don't want to waste beer. Two notes. Number one, yeah, it is It is crucially important to be at least three beers in a shot in um, by the time a, uh, a tornado is anywhere near you. Because much like being in a car accident, you need to be drunk. Because it makes you loose. So you, you won't hold on to those muscular... Uh, you're more, you're more you confident. You're, exactly. You're, you're ready you to move. Better. You're just... Yeah. And so, <laughs> to be clear, you should only be drunk in a car accident if it's an Uber and you're not driving. <laughs> but that way you stay loose and you don't tense up and get hurt. And same with a, with a windy snack. You'll get pulled right up in that mask and you'll get thrown away and you'll be totally fine. You'll end up in a tree or Neverland or wherever Dorothy went. <laughs> Uh, and then the other one is is um, I have a, a really really good memory, and I'm Carl. I'm sure you remember this too, but I have a really great memory of uh, standing out on your back porch, Carl, um, watching one of the biggest alien motherships I have ever seen. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, because we had all, all the like neighbors. Came. We we had like a storm watch party. And, like, a bunch of people were over, and we all got fucking wasted, and it was super dope. It was great. And then all the neighbors came over with their fucking kids, and I couldn't play Tornado Bingo because fucking Nick was just like, you're going to scare the children when you're, like, freaking out in excitement because all the kids – it was just like, get out of here, kids. This is not my job. What is so when you had to go into your spider bunker in your backyard, yeah. that tornado <laughs> shelter that was filled with spider webs. So, we had tried to clean it out that day, but it just meant it was wet spiders. It's not good. I also um, just remember the argument over who was going to get the cat into the tornado shelter and – <laughs> the consensus being that the cat would kill everyone in the storm shelter, so it was just better to let him face the tornado. Well, you know, we just looked at him and we were like, you know, you gotta make peace with this, Dr. Princess. You got a choice here. And he was like, ah! <laughs> I am not capable of critical of thought. <laughs> Uh, that was a good time, though. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I missed that. A, a few days after that, actually, I saw one. I like saw the backside of one, and the tornado sirens went off in my neighborhood, and I was like Snapchatting everybody, and everyone was like, "Go inside your shelter, you idiot!" I did not. I stayed on top of it and and uh, Snapchatted the whole thing, and that was the right choice. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned. Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian nation, ride my pony on the reservation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett, and this week we have Carl Roberts and Stephen Lassman on the show, and this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. How you doing this week, boys? Doing well. Ready for a yeah, tornado season. Looking for those good storm shots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I always love, it always seems like uh, we get 
people who take really good lightning photos of Devin and the BOK building in Tulsa. Devin and OKC, obviously. Devin picks um, look especially good in the storms because it looks especially yeah. like evil. Evil, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love when they have the because it's got the two pointy sides, and in the in the middle, it's got the little lower section that is always lit up. And I love in the <laughs> storms when they light it up orange, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, ah, yes, the Iosaron, correct, correct. Yeah, correct. It, just, it literally looks like a shot from Lord <laughs> of the. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, most of our listeners are, are, are pretty good news followers, but, um, you know, if you guys have been watching the news this week, you know, the Cambridge analytical stuff came out and, um, the real all seeing eye of Mordor. Yeah, yeah no joke. <laughs> um, and Cambridge Analytica with Facebook, uh, all that stuff came out. We thought about covering this, but we basically already covered it. We actually did a big, big piece, uh, over Facebook and how it interacts with, uh, Paul politics and even the election uh back on episode 14 fuck the zuck which i'm still totally in love with that name uh, <laughs> a name. we'll be still official show position is fuck the zuck yeah <laughs> uh oh my god his interviews this week i've been listening to some of his interviews and they have been fantastic uh no one can beat his stoil uh, he is totally a human being and not a robot plugged into some sort of Facebook algorithm. It's really great. They've really got his empathy chip running on all cylinders. They're pushing it to the limit this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but we'll be linking that show. Uh, and then, I mean, of course, you can, if you don't want to go find it in the Reddit post, you can um, just go check it out on uh, iTunes or SoundCloud as well. And hey, while you're there, why don't you rate and review? Hey, I'd absolutely <laughs> love that. But hey, for our first actual story of the week, um, I wanted to get a sound effect of a of a wheel, uh, like the Wheel of Fortune wheel spinning, and make it a big joke about how uh, who knows who is going to be in or out of the Trump White House in any amount of time. <laughs> because this week, uh, 21 days after Trump called rumors uh, that he would be firing H.R. McMaster fake news, Trump fired H.R. McMaster. <laughs> <laughs> Another one bites the dust. And so if you're uh, if you're playing Trump Bingo, that's corner space right there. Oh man! Somebody should like make like a, a card deck like we had when we invaded Iraq in 2003, you know, and like list all the people in the White House and like be xing them out when he fires them. Oh my god! That'd be that'd be cool. That'd be so amazing. Um, I I mean, it, you know, this was kind of uh, we had all kind of talked about. Um, you know, which one of these we gave, gave a shit about, you know, whether we cared about Andrew McCabe or, um, oh my gosh, who was the other gentleman who just got fired? Um, Tillerson. Tillerson. Yeah, yeah. Tillerson. Yeah. Like Pompeo is coming in for Tillerson. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, there's so many. And I mean, on top of that, um, Trump is letting one of his personal lawyers go. And I just got a news alert that he is actually not hiring two additional lawyers that he that have like basically they were working on retainer on the Mueller stuff and he's not rehiring them now. So, I mean, it's just a constant shakeup. And of course, the Red Hats. I, I actually I saw that uh, when he was asked who he might hire to replace one of the lawyers, he uh, fired one of the people that he picked has been dead for 25 years. So. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, oh my god! Trump actually knows him. That guy's living in Argentina. 
he was a lawyer in Nuremberg in the, in the 40s and 50s, actually. Oh. He's uh, got an international portfolio. He's done some work in North Africa, in Greece. It's... Uh, yeah, actually gave that poison to that guy in The Hague that killed himself. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the... The Red Hat's kind of line in this is, you know, oh, he's a businessman. He's a biz- biz- businessman. Business- businessmen fire people. They hire them for a single job, and then they fire them when they're done. They and- really don't, though. That's not a good way to do business. <laughs> yeah. Very poor. That's not a very good is- way to do a reality TV show. Though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And not, not only really. is it yeah a great way to do a reality TV show and a terrible way to do business, but also it's just like there's this little thing called institutional knowledge. <laughs> And it's really hard to cultivate. I've tried in different organizations to cultivate it. And uh, when you're just constantly hiring and firing people, you don't get anything actually done because none of them know what to do. But anyway. Is that a bad thing, though, in this administration? Yes. I, I, I you know. I feel, like that, I feel like that's a good thing in this administration. Well, see, okay, I, I feel that way in, like, a certain sense of, like, uh, that was one of the big things that, like, you know, one of the lines that a lot of Democrats came out with following uh, Trump's election is, oh, he'll never get anything done. Oh, he'll never get anything done. They, they'll, it'll just be a shit show and, and we'll not get anything done. But the problem with that is that, like, like I mean, we've talked about some of these things the closing of national parks uh the destruction to the environment and like those things it's like dude like yeah you might not get anything done but that's the thing Always they are ruining things. the environment yeah yeah um and i mean also just allowing implicit and explicit violence against marginalized communities um, yeah. to continue just you know under the beautiful b- umbrella of um we, we need to savor, guys. I'm going to tell you this. You know, the show, we keep our predictions to a minimum. And I'm not even going to put the show's predictive force behind this one or either of y'all's. I'm going to put my predictive force by it. I cannot wait for a Scott Pruitt DOJ. Okay? I is going it's, it's to looking, be It's my looking goal. like that could be a thing, yeah. Oh, Oh, what I would give to see Scotty Pruitt's in charge of the Department of Justice. First order of business is going to be firing Robert Mueller. And, oh, it's going to be so tasty, delicious. But anyway. <laughs> see, I'm, I'm – I, uh, I'm – one last thing on Scott. I'm convinced Scott Pruitt is going to come run for governor or for the the first district. I'm convinced that's what he's going to do because he's going to be like, hmm, getting out of this White House will be much better for my political career than. <laughs> but on yeah, Scott Pruitt's going to ride a uh, plane full of pesticides like Slim Pickens at the end of Doctor Strange Love. <laughs> Uh, but before we before we move on, I just wanted to give uh, just so you know, you guys can have some talking points if you run into a red hat or you've got some uh, family who's uh, chud oriented that um, they are saying, oh, 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 Bolton, Bolton replacing Bol, Bol, he's a good guy. He's he's got a mustache. He's got glasses. He's walking around. Um, I want to give you guys a couple couple things to. Um, uh, just kind of a couple points, a couple facts about this gentleman that I think are really interesting. So, I mean, the big thing is that he was a ambassador to the UN um, under George Bush. Important to note that he was not uh, appointed by the Senate. 
he was a recess appointee, and the only reason he did not continue as an ambassador was because after the blue wave in 2006, um, Bush no longer had the Senate support to push him through as an ambassador. And, well, and that's so, also relevant. I, I, I think it's relevant to say here, too, that uh, the head of the National Security Council, which is the position he's, he's getting now, is like the highest position in the White House that's not a Senate approved position mm-hmm. because he would not be able to pass the Senate in the same way that he wasn't able to pass it under Bush whenever it was Republican controlled because he's just a fucking insane person. Yeah. And so I, I, I think, you know, that that is kind of. You know, if we were mainstream news, that would be the headline of who he is. But for me, the headline of who this dude is, is he's a Fox News commentator. This is somebody, literally Trump watched this dude talk on TV and was like, I like him. I like him a lot. We'll get him in the hide at White House. We'll, we'll, we'll have a good time. Um, uh, well, I don't know. There was this little nugget about him that I think is important to say to like the maggot chuds. He didn't get hired sooner because Trump doesn't like his mustache. Like that's a that's a thing that has come out of the White House. Like that's amazing. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, and it is a shitty mustache. I mean, to be fair to Trump, it's fair. So I mean, you know, he this this is a gentleman who is an incredibly uh, you know I don't want to use the term war hawk because it just it, it encompasses a lot, but. He advocates very heavily for a first strike against Iran and against North Korea, which going into communi- or going into negotiations, sitting at the table between South Korea and North Korea in a few months. Oh yeah, that, that's, that's really good. That's good to have someone who's whose uh, first instinct is uh, violent regime change. Also um, worth pointing out that a first strike is not you know attacking a country unprovoked. A first strike is getting to like a battle a week earlier not attacking a country that is not going to attack you because you don't like them yeah yeah um and so those are the big ones he's a he's an advocate for a three-state solution to uh palestine which is really dumb because a three-state solution ignores the fact that palestine wants to be a state it's like, oh, yeah, let's just give Palestine – instead of just giving Palestine to Israel, we'll give it to Jordan, Egypt, and Israel. Yeah, it's uh, just – it's insane. <laughs> I want to I wanna read this this little list. This is from his uh, Wikipedia page. But this is the politically conservative think tanks, policy institutes, and special interest groups he's involved in. Uh, the East-West Dynamics, the National Rifle Association, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom – Project for the New American Century, the Jewish Institute for National Security of America, the Committee for Peace and Security in the Gulf, referencing uh, the Gulf, uh, the Middle Gulf of Aden, yeah, Yeah. the Middle East. Uh, if I wish he meant the Gulf of Tonkin, uh, he, council, he does mean the Gulf of Tonkin. The <laughs> council he loves, he loves the idea of not getting attacked and then attacking. The Council for National Policy and the Gatestone Institute. Which uh, is a concern is a right wing think tank that publishes articles particularly pertaining to Islam in the Middle East uh, and has attracted a lot of attention for publishing false articles. So he I think I think I think the the reason I mentioned that one is because this is also the gentleman who during the Bush administration pushed, supported and fabricated weapons of mass destruction as undersecretary of state when he he was undersecretary of state under Bush and he pushed the narrative of weapons of mass destruction after receiving 
the information that there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. So this is already someone who's lied to start a war. So get on your boots and your hats, folks, because we're fucking going. I don't know where, but we're going. He also said, like, he said this while he was in the Bush administration, that, like, Bush's access of evil speech was not like a figure of speech, but that there was a literal access of evil running through Baghdad, Tehran, and Pyongyang, wherein those three countries were, like, the axis in World War II and were actual allies pushing terrorism. And this is talking about two countries in in Iraq and Afghanistan, in Iran, rather, um, that had been at war less than 20 years before he said this shit. Like, literally shooting each other war, and he was involved in the Reagan White House when we were giving weapons to both sides of that war. Uh, that's too complicated. There are only good guys and bad guys, Carl. <laughs> and they were the bad guys. <clears throat> well, well, let me it's... tell you something. John Bolton's a bad guy. <laughs> but... Uh, I think that's about all I have on Mr. Bolton. Um, Carl, do you want to tell Actually, us? I have one last okay. thing. I, I have one last thing. He should have hired Michael Bolton instead, okay? <laughs> all right. Lonely Island video is hilarious. Would have been a better National Security Council guy. <laughs> on that, I'm moving on. Austin, tell us what's going on. Yeah, so this week, um, this very tragic story in Austin came to a close. Um there was a there there had been a rash of bombings in Austin where like somebody had been leaving fake packages on people's doorsteps that then were bombs that exploded when you opened them um, and uh, two black men and a Hispanic woman uh, were killed or injured um, by this and, and no one knew what was going on it was really hard to tell oh no what's happening and then on Wednesday they like got they somehow figured it out they started a car chase and this guy Mark Condit a white Austinian, a white Texan, mentally um, ill, up mentally ill white person. <clears throat> Let's be clear. He's not just a white person. He's a mentally yeah. ill white person. We're, we're going to get to that. Um, and so, like, nobody knew what was going on, right? There's just bombs in packages on people's porch. And when they found him, they were like, okay, like, what's up with this, right? Um, and it turns out that this guy, you know, was conservative politically. We know that from some blog posts from 2012. But we don't really have any reason why he did this. Uh, he put out a video uh, that was saying, here's what I was doing, you know, he, like the technical side of things. So I've been making some bombs. Here's how they work. Here's how I did it. But not like any reason why he was doing this. Right. Um, and he's, he's from the region and no one called it terrorism the whole time. I think that's um, the real like. Yeah, the real thing that doesn't sit right about this whole story is the fact that this whole, like, they've been dancing around calling this a terrorist incident when someone is bombing people in the country. Yeah. And it, and it's the thing, like, I understand why, for example, um, the police chief might not be calling it terrorism or something. I'm going to talk about him in a second. Because it's like, okay, you know, this term does have legal implications. It does mean something. But then the news coverage has not been this fucking terrorist is terrorizing people, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's really weird because that was the same thing in the Las Vegas shooting. He was not a terrorist. That was the same thing with Dylan Roof. He was a cool Whatever. guy who liked sushi. <laughs> Look, he walked around that hotel just like anybody else would. It's totally normal, natural. I don't know why you guys just want to villainize people. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, I mean, I, I think that's actually a good, like, 
starting off point, what you said, why don't why don't we want to villainize these people, right? And, and the relevant thing in that consideration about this is something, how the police chief of, of Austin PD changed. And number one, Austin is, is a city filled with terrorists. That's where the University of Texas is located. Um, mm-hmm. Terrible people. Um, but um, I, after injecting some some brevity into the story, <laughs> um, maybe inappropriate. <laughs> um, but you know, like what happened before we knew who this guy was is that the police chief had said, "Oh, maybe the first victim, uh, a black man, Anthony Stephen House." Um, was building a bomb and then accidentally blew himself up. And that's something the police chief came out and said, right? Later, after they had found Mark Condit, after they had watched the video, he sent to the police whenever he figured out he was going to get caught because he fucked up mailing a bomb or something. Um, The police chief watched that video and and described Condit as, the video rather, as the outcry of a very challenged young man talking about challenges in his personal life that led him to this point. So what we need to think about here is that we have a victim, a black victim, who is called a suspect, who is said, oh, maybe he's building a bomb and he killed himself. And then we have a white victim, uh, rather a white perpetrator, who is saying, I did this. And that person is a challenged young man. That person is someone that that is having problems in his life that led him to this point. And this is like a, a common theme in how we cover these kinds of things, right? These white men that do these kinds of crimes, they're challenged people, or they're complex, or they have multiple layers. And and these black victims of crime are being called suspects or said, mm, maybe that's maybe they're the ones who are, who are doing it. And this is happening in one instance, right? Like we have the shift of, of one specific official in the police making that change in narrative. And I think we can see it too all the time, you know? Like we were joking about the Las Vegas shooter. He was a normal dude. Oh, he yeah. was just an old rich guy. He just collected guns. But Trayvon Martin was somebody with a criminal past. Trayvon no, Martin. Exactly. They, they, yeah, they just always jump to, like, start a narrative that, oh, no, he's not a, you know, whenever it's these white bomber shooters, etc. He's not a bad guy. He's just got a bad shake out of life. He's, uh, you know, he's hit some hard times. So he had to gun down some people in a crowd or blow up some people in his neighborhood. And I and, think... And, yeah, I, I, just... Yeah, and, and no, I think, I think one of the things... And Carl, you kind of already touched on it a, a bit. But one of the things that, that I always pick up on this is that there is a difference in how you prosecute these things when you label them differently. And there's a different way that they're represented in the, um, uh, you know, in the press, but also in the public. In the public's eye, there is a different way that these are treated. And, you know, when you marginalize communities further by continuing this kind of stereotype thought that, you know, when a person of color, very specifically a Muslim person, does something like this. It is terrorism. But when a white person oh, yeah. does it, that is mental illness or, yeah, they got a bad shake. challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah, any of that. You're really – what you're doing is not only are you marginalizing um, – People, you're bringing you're bringing these white people who you don't who are bad into your fold as well. But what you're also doing is you're telling these black communities that 
any political change from them is terrorism. It is antisocial and it is bad. When they want to make a political change, it is adverse to the goals of society, even when it benefits them. But when a white person does something to further entrench themselves in the racist structures that exist within this country or to, you know, to harm black people or people of color or marginalized peoples further, what you're telling them is, oh, well, they just didn't understand that you can't do it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, the rhetoric around it is like, oh, well, you know, he didn't mean it. You know, it's uh, it was an accident that he sent several bombs to people. He's he's had a hard he's had a hard go of things lately. And it's just kind of legitimizing this type of violence amongst these. I mean, as you said, we don't really know his reasons, but I, I think that it's pretty clear that there is some racial motivation. And yeah, there's just like. Yeah, it's just legitimizing this type of, like, lone wolf, white supremacist attack. Well, and then also, uh, on the other, it, it it serves, you know, when the Austin police chief says something like, maybe Anthony Stephen House was trying to build a bomb. It's the exact same thing that happens where it legitimizes the death of, of a person of color. It's the same thing with Terrence Crutcher, you know, whenever he's got his hands up and walking back to his car... And he gets shot in the back where it's like, oh, the cop was afraid. And it's like, this is a victim. Or, um, you know, Mike Brown, where it's like, oh, we we have to release this video of him maybe shoplifting a, a gorilla, even though he's been shot dead in the street with his hands up. Well, and there's like, You have I to mean, come up with a narrative that makes the black person guilty and then also, you know, makes the white person not guilty for their actions. And it's, it's, it's really, really amazing in a very disgusting way that we see that literally happen. We saw that happen in real time with this Austin bombing. Um, uh, well, I've been listening to like some, just some history podcasts and stuff. And um, while this Austin story was going on, and I listened to a bit about Fred Hampton and also one about the weather underground, two kind of almost concurrent events. The weather underground was a mostly like college age middle class white group reactionary against the Vietnam War who you know conducted a series of bombings in the United States um, and then you know Fred Hampton and the Black Panthers were another like revolutionary group but who were violent almost exclusively in self-defense um, and protecting themselves and yet the weather underground was depicted as like oh look at these you know, college kids, they're angry at the system, they're, like, mad at the Vietnam War. Meanwhile, Fred Hampton, without even, like, before the Panthers had even, like, done any act of violence or, like, hurt anyone even in defense, was, like, labeled as a one of the, like, most dangerous domestic terrorists. Uh, they planted guns on him, tried anything they could do to take him down when he was, like, a, you know, 19-year-old kid protesting poor treatment. Uh, so, like, I mean... Obviously, well, and we, we know that this rhetoric has been going on for a long time, but it just shows like this exact same thing with the Boston or uh, Austin uh, bomber it has been going on for, you know, decades. Well, and you can even look back to the Tulsa race massacre and see it too. You know, it's called a riot because it makes it sound like black people were destroying the neighborhood or something because that's what yeah. we associate the word riot with. And yet, 
probably one of the most important precipitating events was a group of armed black veterans showing up at the courthouse and saying, hey, sheriff, we'll help you protect this black guy from getting lynched. And then, you know, the white mob burn, burns down Greenwood, and yet it's called a riot so that most people are like, oh, you know, well, that's what happens when you have a black neighborhood or something. And it's, I mean, it's one of the fundamental parts of American society at the end of the day that, that black men are guilty criminals and, and white men, you know, are, are given the right to be complex people, even when it's not deserved. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like when it's, uh, you know, a Muslim or a Middle Eastern bomber, when it's, a, you know, a black shooter, it's ne they never look into their motivations. They never, like, look at, oh, what's going on in this person's life? Why did he do this? It's just, oh, clearly he's a bad person. Because yeah. that's I mean, the that's the that's the line. Especially, I, I think one of the one of the biggest things for me about that is if you look at the 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 Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, right? Omar Mateen, the guy who did it, was a guy who regularly went to this club. You know, he 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 had a complex relationship to his sexuality, right? Yeah. And, and and he None said in like a really like deeply explored. Yeah, it, it never was because he put out a video like 10 minutes before he did the shooting where he's like, this is ISIS, right? And all of a sudden, all that complexity that is probably a lot more important than, you know, saying he swears allegiance to ISIS or something 10 minutes before this attack with no, like, history of that being there. And yet having this history to the club gets collapsed. And if he were a white person who had done that, we would have gotten this massive, deep, complex understanding of well, I, think, I think that's the reason why you have these kinds of, like, you know, the the white bomber is a complex person who we need to look at his motives is because we have had this narrative for so long. So I think when most people see something like this happen that challenges the narrative that's been going on, they get kind of confused. It freaks them out. And so, you know, they, they, of course, cling to like, oh, he had other things going on in his life. He's very like dark and complicated person. We don't need to evaluate or like reconsider or maybe reassess the, the opinions that we hold about these different groups in society and how they interact with each other because they come along with this narrative that says, oh, well, I mean, no, uh, yeah, he was white, but it's not for the reasons that you think, you know, there's not a problem amongst, you know, white violence towards people of color in this country of course not it's just he was a, a a very specific instance of a you know dangerous person who had you know mental problems and uh it's a, it's a singular incident of course that yeah. happens all the time yeah <laughs> yeah and i i i completely agree with you guys i think that that is a really great like way to talk about this too is that you know uh, uh, there is this way we look at black people who would commit crimes, <clears throat> and there was a way we look at white people who commit crimes, and they're not the same. Well, and it's and not even—it's not even black people that commit crimes; it's black people that are the victims of violence. Yeah, and that's—that's that's a really important distinction here, in my—in my opinion. That's how we have to talk about it because it's like people who are innocent and have done nothing wrong are treated as criminals, and people who are criminals that have admitted it are treated as complex human beings, and. It, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, this is, uh, no, that's... It's, it's a serious topic, uh, but to uh, end things on a lighter note, can I do my character? Yes. <laughs> this is, yes. This is um, a Boston Southie Irish guy who just moved to Austin and doesn't know the difference between the two bombings. Uh, you ain't nobody fucking with Austin. It's a wicked tight city. <laughs> You're me and Mikey and Tommy. We found this Russian fucker on Reddit. Called the caps on his ass, but get this, wrong fucking guy. 
But I tell you what, Mark Wahlberg, he's going to come in here, make everything great. Austin Strong. <laughs> that's that's so great. Oh, my God. All right. So Austin Weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep Austin Weird, man. And hey, uh, uh, j- just for for brevity and sincerity, uh, you know, solidarity with all those injured in Boston. I mean, or Boston in Austin. It's been an awful. It's it, it has been awful to to hear these stories and to see an example of homegrown terrorism targeting other Americans that's treated not as a uh, attack on American citizens, but as an individual lone wolf problem. But anyway, let's talk about problems that are uh, not lone wolf but systemic. <laughs> And taking us to Oklahoma news. Um, Well, I think that this is an all too familiar story with Red Star of Oklahoma is oil companies and how they are corrupt pieces of shit leeching money out of our state. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to read this whole article or go super deep into it because I think we all kind of know at least the gist of it. We'll link it with the numbers and everything. But the title of the article is Oklahoma Bust Helps Some of Oklahoma's Largest Companies Avoid Income Taxes. Who'd have thunk it? Um, and looking deeper into this, it's just that uh, Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City company Continental Resources, which is an uh, oil conglomerate, uh, had was this uh, $790 million in profit in 2017 and will likely pay no corporate income taxes to Oklahoma for years to come. Uh, the article goes on to list a number of other companies uh, showing their massive billion-dollar profits and the almost negligible amount of taxes that they're going to pay. In some cases, zero, and then in some cases, like maybe a couple million out of you know billions of dollars in profits. Um, but you know, we we don't need to go in, <laughs> super into depth on this because I think we all kind of intuitively know that most of these oil companies are corrupt pieces of shit. But I think it's just really you know, telling where our state puts its priorities when you've got a one of the largest teacher strikes in history gearing up to happen over how terrible the conditions are for teachers and many other state employees. Meanwhile, you've got these oil companies recording billions of dollars in profit and paying no tax to the state where they get all their benefits from. Listen, Lassie, if you I've been over this and over this and over this and I'll go over it one more time. I if you don't incentivize business to come to Oklahoma. All right. All right. Are you listening? They will drill the oil from Kansas and Texas. Okay, they will drink our milkshake and we will have a milkshake left. The, the people living on the inside of the globe, on the, the inner ring, will uh, suck it up from the, from the hollow core and get it that The way. crab people will tunnel up. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to need everybody to stop making jokes because we all know that Hitler flew the V3 circular saucers into the center of the earth to be with the Aryan race of aliens, okay? So if there's anyone stealing oil yeah, from the center of the earth, it's Hitler. All right, so yeah, obviously we need to give our oil companies all the money that we can to get that oil before the Nazis do. Okay, honestly, honestly, if it were a real thing that uh, 
Well, number one, it's not true that the Nazis are in the center of the Earth because it's a flat disk. Uh, It's not a globe, Adam. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Um, We're on the inside already. They went to the outside. Let's not have this argument about... So it's like some kind of like Gnostic thing where like the stars are like a circle. Okay. Um, I told you, you don't want to start this conversation. (laughs) Actually, according to the documentary Iron Sky, the Nazis are hiding (laughs) on the dark side of the moon. (laughs) <laughs> That's not a documentary. It's a fact-finding no, it's mission. A doc- doc- <laughs> the Michael Moore documentary, Iron Sky. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is a good take. Um, I, I don't know. I want to I say what, one little thing about this, too, just before we go on. Because it... Like this whole thing is basically that if you, if you record losses, you can like count that against your income tax in the future. And the thing with oil companies is they're going to record losses sometimes. Like we have to come up with some kind of law that says when oil prices are low, you don't get to carry over those net losses because all those people that lose those jobs, they don't get to carry over their net losses. They go hungry. Yeah. And these oil companies say Listen. it's 2014. The price of oil is though. Let's buy up a shit ton of mineral rights or let's invest a ton of money in capital development or something. Well, so yeah, we can record even higher losses while the price is low. And then when the price is high, we don't have to spend money on capital investment and we don't pay taxes. Yeah, the losses that re- they record is purely like income. Meanwhile, they're buying up assets and because their coffers are depleted by the end of the year, they can like call it a net loss even though they've acquired a bunch more land and wells and all sorts of other facilities. And yeah, because the the number equals zero on their bank account by the end of the year they say oh look at how much we've lost look at how much we have lost because of the economy obviously we can't pay taxes on this our business will go under even though they're acquiring all sorts of new assets listen Uh, corporate welfare is not welfare okay it is (laughs) another thing that isn't that um we'll call it Corporate do-gooden stuff and other things <laughs> because it's not welfare, guys. Look, if we, I, I don't know can, how many times we, I have to tell you the term, this. Can we coin the term on the show "corporate welfare queens"? Uh, yeah. Yes. Corporate welfare, yes. I mean, uh, yeah. their name is Harold Ham. You can mail individuals in the state of Oklahoma a pile of shit. And no, no, you can't. <laughs> this is not. This is that was Carl alone advice. Okay. Say, uh, <laughs> uh, lone wolf podcaster here. And and I will also say, Carl, Carl, you'll get good news yeah, coverage about that. Exactly. Uh, I will also say that Carl advises you to do the same uh, to Sam Walton if you live in Arkansas. <laughs> Actually, all Oklahomans should mail all their shit to Bentonville. Fuck you, Sam Walton. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm going to round us out today with our an Oklahoma news story that's actually good. Um, in a surprising, I don't change. believe um, in Oklahoma news stories that are actually good. But anyway, I'll <laughs> let you keep going. Yeah. So, so this week. Um, the Supreme Court okayed a gross production tax increase ballot question. Um, this has been challenged by the uh, OIPA, which is an association of the, the big-name oil companies in Oklahoma, like Continental. Um, and they had said, oh, no, this ballot question has too many things going on because it's saying we want to raise the GPT back to a historic rate of 7%. We want to use that money for something specific. And, and they were like, oh, you can't have a ballot question that covers more than one issue. 
so it should be unconstitutional. And the Oklahoma Supreme Court did the right thing and was like, okay, you fucking idiots. No, that's utterly not how this works. This is a very straightforward ballot question. It's not confusing at all. What that means is if the uh, petition to have this uh, ballot question on the ballot in November gets about 125,000 signatures, just a bit less than that, then come November, we will be voting on raising the gross production tax to 7% and having all that money going to a $4,000 teacher pay raise. Um, now, of course, it does have to get those signatures to show up on the ballot, so go work on that. Um, that, that would be a huge deal for us to have on the ballot. And it also says something important about Oklahoma's economy, because this was started by a, a large group of people called Restore Oklahoma Now. But one of the important ones is the Oklahoma Energy Producers Alliance, though, EPA, which is a group of small <laughs> oil companies. Um, <laughs> and, they were in, and, and it's a big deal for small oil companies because they tend to do normal oil drilling instead of fracking. So they're still paying the 7%, and these fracking wells are taking the oil out of their own wells. And while I'm generally opposed to oil drilling and so on, it's just so indicative of how bad Oklahoma is getting fucked by people like Continental that other oil companies are saying, please raise taxes on oil. Yeah. <laughs> the the Ma and Pa oil wells can't survive anymore. It's basically, yeah, Walmart versus like the, the corner store. Um, of but, oil. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing is now, what's really important to me about this is that at the moment, what this means, since it's past that, is that the only barrier now is getting enough signatures, right? And House Democrats can sit there and say, you know, if you House Republicans aren't going to okay an increase of the gross production tax, then we're just going to vote on it in November. And, and that is a good thing for the teacher strike in one sense, because it's basically saying, well, if you all, you all need to do this because it's going to pass. Because the polling is putting a, a, the polling says there's about a seven, like 75% of Oklahomans are going to vote for a gross production tax increase right now. Like, think about that. Three yeah, out of every four Oklahomans Only 15% of those people are going to go to the polls anyway. <laughs> no, that was a poll of likely voters. Okay, that's Ooh, important. never mind. Um, well, and I think that's worth, like, I mean... That, that really does highlight how now is kind of the time to start pushing these more, I mean, for Oklahoma, extreme bills that might not pass otherwise because you've got election season coming up and because some of these people are starting to actually, like, you know, fear for their seats. You can, you, this is the one bit of leverage that you can actually have on some of the House Republicans in Oklahoma is saying, like, hey, your seat's coming up. People massively support this bill. You need to get it through. Otherwise, you know, you might risk your seat. So, like, the fact that we actually have a pressure point on some of these people means now's the time to actually start pushing for some some beneficial legislation in our state for once. Yeah, it is. But I do think it's important to say, too— And also that, still unseat them. Yeah, of course. If, <laughs> if you live in Atoka and you were represented by Charles McCall, number one— <laughs> um, don't mail him shit, because Adam's going to yell at me if I suggest you to do that, so totally don't mail him shit. You can, um, you can number two, vote the motherfucker out. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Um, but it's also, I think the other thing that's important to note about the Supreme Court decision is that it also could be a problem for the teacher's strike, because 
some House Republicans might say, let's see how much money oil companies are willing to spend on advertising against that. Because you know they're going to spend some of that $780 million they're not getting fucking taxed <laughs> on fighting this as a ballot question. And so we might, it might prolong the teacher strike. And we all know the teacher strike is going to, there's no way in hell it's not happening anymore. It, yeah. It's happening. Um, kind of. So I've been really depressed about the teacher's quote unquote strike it's a walkout in most of the state now yeah okay it's a walkout so that because the districts are saying we want to support them and we want to protect teachers who are going to walk out. it's a good thing that it's walk out in a way it's basically all of oklahoma saying motherfucking legislature we're gonna mail you a piece of shit come november yeah um, yeah it's it's, it's it's a complex issue and i mean we've talked about it plenty but yeah i've been not super stoked on that but anyway So, moving on, we've got our conservative reading list for the week. Um, this is going to be fun. No, uh, I don't believe that. The conservative <laughs> reading list is never fun, but okay, continue. Um, if you guessed it's from the Oklahoman, uh, you get good job. It's not a guess anymore. <laughs> That's actually the new title of the podcast is Brown Shit on the Oklahoman. <laughs> Oh my uh, god. We should actually we should, No. Episode name. That's what, episode name. Okay. It can be the episode name, but whatever your other suggestions are, no. <laughs> should we put I, metaphorical it so you feel okay about this? No, topic? I don't care. You can call him brown <laughs> shit. That's fine. <laughs> I um, start reading this bad boy. Yeah, so this this uh, was an article published on March 25th. Uh, court case highlights abortion rights zealotry. Um, okay, Oklahoman, let's get into it. And they start. Recent arguments before the U.S. Supreme Court highlight the extremism of those who would use the threat of government force to compel all citizens to promote abortion. Compel to Great. promote. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, keep going. Now, now here, here we get to the really fun part that I think is probably the most important thing about this article. Under California law, pregnancy centers that don't provide abortions and are often run by organizations whose mission is to reduce abortion must advertise the, uh, the availability of state-subsidized abortion, including a phone number for women to call to get abortion services. So they wrote an article about a Supreme Court case coming out of California that everybody in the OKC Metro reads when they get their Sunday newspaper. Why? I want to ask why. How is that relevant to Oklahomans? Like, genuinely. Um, because if we allow the libtards in California, in California, to do what they want, okay, they are going to subjugate all of us, all right? This is our... I yelled sovereign citizen earlier, and I'll yell it again, because I will not stand for this kind of propagandizing of... Um, well, I guess it's not me since I'm not a woman, so I guess it doesn't pertain to me at all. So I guess I should just keep my mouth sh Oh, wait, no, 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 no. I work for the Oklahoma, and I've forgotten this, this hypothetical. Uh, no, no, this is the worst uh, thing that's ever happened. We need to bomb all these um, doctor's offices or something. I don't know. It's not like that's the side of the Oklahoma. The Oklahoma does, totally does not em endorse bombing 
um, people you disagree with. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you go back and they had, I know this is not true and I'm gaslighting myself and I have to say this legally so we don't get in trouble for defamation of character. Um, but this reads like the Oklahoman would be okay with like Timothy McVeigh showing up at an abortion clinic. This is what it reads like. Like this, it's disgusting what they're saying. Here. At the um, very least, they'd say he's a very complex man with some yeah. nuanced motivations. <laughs> A dingleberry oh. who put who didn't put plates on his getaway truck and then <laughs> spent four hours in jail before anyone realized he blew up the building. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Um, one last thing on topic before I keep reading this. Um, these places, these pregnancy centers that don't provide abortions, their goal is to trick women into not getting abortions. Um, and so California basically said, like, apparently what's going on here is that California said, if you're a center that is supposed to help people through pregnancy, you can't deny them information about one of the things that happened that might happen during pregnancy, the choice to get an abortion. Um, and it's really questionable if an organization that's called a pregnancy center is not trying to tell you about abortion services that exist and are entirely constitutional. Um, let's keep going. So. Pregnancy centers argue the law violates their free speech rights because it compels them to spread a message they don't endorse. Not California says the law. Agency, damn it, goddamn. <laughs> well, also, it's it's providing a medical uh, service. If you if you if your whole reason for existence is providing uh, a medical service, and then you're not saying here's a medical option that exists and is valid that you have a right to, are you really a medical center? Listen, no, I'm a, I'm no, a doctor. I'm a doctor, and this guy needs open heart surgery, but <laughs> I think I'm going to keep that on the DL. It's my right as a free speech agent of free speech to not tell him that he needs open heart surgery. Oh, I'm just going to keep God. this in my back pocket. Can't compel me as a medical professional to do what's in the interest of my patients. <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. Um. Okay. Oh, yeah, I figured that. Okay. Pregnancy centers. Uh, oh, wait, I already said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> California says the law is designed simply to protect women from being misled and ensure but, they're fully informed of their options. The text is That's the thing. <laughs> it's literally he's, the joke you made. He's angry. God, uh, he's angry that they are being informed of their options. He, That's like what they're supposed to do. <laughs> They're angry that a, a, an ostensibly medical organization is providing medical services. Uh, okay, uh, let's keep going. Um, where was that? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, no, okay. The text and application of the law prove otherwise. Attorney Michael P. Ferris, who represented those challenging the law, noted it applies almost entirely to pregnancy centers with an anti-abortion worldview while exempting most sites that serve pregnant women. Because... Those sites already advertise abortion. That's that's why it doesn't target them because they're an actual medical center that provides medical information to people. Um, they continue. The way the statute works is that it begins by only regulating clinics that are licensed under Section 1204 of the California Code that is limited principally to nonprofit community clinics, Ferris told the justices. So all doctors in private practice are out of this statute to begin with, and the state admits this in its brief. Additionally, among those nonprofit clinics, the clinics that are in general practice are exempted out even though they serve pregnant women. It's like, okay, this is a different context. Um, in addition, Ferris said, among those that are principally giving pregnancy services, if you're willing to sign up for the state's family PACT program, which requires you to dispense abortifacient drugs, then you're out of the program as well. So, so through a clever series of legislative gerrymandering, the state has ended up with a result that only nonprofit pro-life pregnancy centers are required to post a notice, Ferris said. 
Once again, like it's just, they're just saying you can't be a medical organization that doesn't provide medical information to people that they might need. I like when I um, walk into a medical center and say, like, hey, I've got some medical questions, and then they pull a lever and the counter turns around to become a shelf of animals. They say, no, this is a pet store. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. These aren't even no, jokes. It's just factual representations of how this works. It kind of pisses me off because we're not funny. We're just you- describing things. Well, see, they pull the lever, and it's not, it doesn't turn into animals in its pet store. It turns into a church, and they shame you for having sex out of wedlock. <laughs> so when I go into my doctor's office, and he pulls the Ferris Bueller trick, where there's a recording of him snoring. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that would be really great. Why, why can't that be real? <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, California's Deputy Solicitor General, Joshua A. Klein, said the notice is required in anti-abortion pregnancy centers, but not elsewhere, because the purpose of the law is to have the disclosure mostly made in the context in which it's useful, as opposed to being made in a lot of contexts where it's not. So pregnant women, uh, and then they break the quote and say this themselves, which, which is gold, golden. Um, so pregnant women going to a doctor's office don't need to know about state-funded abortion services. Only women going to an anti-abortion pregnancy center? Really? And the answer is, of course, yes, because a doctor will tell you you can get an abortion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they act like it's this rhetorical question, and it is, because I'm, it's the opposite of what yeah, they wanted I'm, to I'm rereading it, because this rhetorical question works against what he's trying to say. Don't look for logic here. Why are you guys know, looking for yeah. logic? Like, I, 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 sh- I shouldn't, but... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just expect the state's biggest newspaper to have people that, like, didn't fail out of sixth grade English. It really least, frustrates like, me uh, that I paid... At least argue your shitty opinion well. Well, it frustrates the hell out of me that I paid so much goddamn money to the University of Oklahoma to get a journalism degree so that I could go beg people at the Oklahoman for a job when they can't, not only can, as we've seen, can they not write sentences, not include proper punctuation, or spell correctly, but they don't know how to use any rhetorical devices, including the easiest thing in the world, a rhetorical question. Now... Is that not stupid? Holy shit, I just did it! Yeah, no, if you go into the Oklahoman with a 64-pack of Crayola crowns with a little sharpener on the bottom that you can sharpen your crowns with, they'll be like, you are qualified as fuck. Guess who gets an opinion article? And then you can... Um, you just got to prove that you can color in the lines, um, and you don't even have to do that that well. And you can make informed decisions on behalf of the Oklahoman. Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. Let's finish it out. Um, When a justice asked if the state had ever brought charges against any anti-abortion pregnancy center for making false and misleading representations, Klein conceded, I'm not aware that the state has. But then he insisted that prosecuting false advertising would not uh, necessarily be more speech protective since it might involve undercover patients, record subpoenas, site visits, and the rest. So basically he's saying, no, you don't have a right to not do this because then we'd have to spend a ton of time wasting money figuring out if you're breaking the law, which is very straightforward. It's just like, no, no, this is the law. You have to follow it so we don't have to make sure that you all aren't doing false advertising, which is, you know, straightforward. Um, 
Put simply, California officials argue that pregnant women need to be informed of government-subsidized abortion services, but not when those women visit most sites that serve pregnant women in order to prevent false advertisement that is not occurring. Rational people can see this law for what it is, an attempt to force anti-abortion citizens to promote abortion. It's clearly a violation of free speech rights and should be struck down. No, you're just telling them that it exists. It's not even... They're not cajoling people into getting abortions because they go in for a pregnancy test. They're saying, hey, this medical procedure exists, which is the literal job that you do as a medical professional. Well, and it's also, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if someone would go to a pregnant, if, if this law didn't exist, someone went to a pregnancy center, was not informed about her ability to have an abortion, died because of complications during her pregnancy and then the abortion center got sued for millions upon millions of dollars because of medical malpractice yes that is literally malpractice to not tell someone about available procedures that could in many cases be life-saving but even barring that are just medical procedures that you can get that you have a constitutional right to as an american there's a phenomenon that I don't know if it's been increasing, but it's become more and more clear to me that right-wingers don't get what free speech means. They really don't understand, and they think that that means that their opinions that their opinions can be everything, everywhere, because it's free speech, basically. But, yeah, to say that this is a free speech issue is just fundamentally wrong, because it's not well, like... I mean, it's, the free speech is to prevent govern, the government from prosecuting you for your opinions or for what you believe, not to say that, oh, we don't like this thing, so we're not going to give it to you. It's, it's and, just not and how free you, speech I mean, works. If, like, if you extend the logic that, that they're presenting here, if you went to your doctor and you're like, oh, a doctor, I sometimes have trouble sleeping. And they're like, you need to take five kilos of cocaine every morning and then you'll be <laughs> able to sleep. And then somebody died. The doctor could go say, yeah, well, you know, free speech, motherfucker. And it's like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't because you killed someone because of your fucking idiocy. Um, as an architect, I said this building was structurally sound, and that's that's my freedom of speech to say whatever words I want. Um, those were the words that were in my head, so I wanted to say it, and this building collapsed and killed dozens of people, but I said the thing that I wanted to say, and that's my right. Wait, okay, wait. Uh, hold, in this you're, context, you're, though, you're, the you're, Oklahoman you're, is endorsing us mailing them shit because it's free speech. <laughs> Fuck you. You can't get mad about it. Um... <laughs> Oh, uh, let me tell you, you're going to have to hire a, uh, a couple attorneys for a couple bucks. Adam, you're so lawyer, you, you have to live with all of the things I say that get us in trouble. I'm sorry. That's fine. I mean, we just have to start the GoFundMe for our uh, getting us out of, out of Gulag. Yeah, that's not fair. You're in a country that doesn't extradite to the U.S. We uh, Germany 100% extradites yeah, to the U.S. Yeah, I was to say. I thought, I thought Europe doesn't, or a bunch of European countries don't. No, Europe, Some Europe don't. Yeah. A, n- I think Poland n- doesn't. Neutrality. Well, anyway, we don't need to talk about <laughs> 
Mm. You can still be brought back here to be executed. Good. As long as you're still accountable, Carl. Oh, and we have, let's see, we have plenty of extra judicial (laughs) procedure to get Carl into the box that he deserves to be in. Yeah, you don't need, the the U.S. government doesn't need to extradite people. They'll just kill you with a drone strike in Yemen and then be like, oops, constitutional protections don't apply to our citizens. Why even have it? Or or in your case, they leave a pack of cigarettes under a box with a stick under it. Oh, word. Uh, uh, I have literally picked up cigarettes off the street, but I free smoke. Okay? It's, it was warm out today. It didn't rain. It's clean. Oh, my God. Uh, so it, it, well, is that the end of the article? Yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, you want to tell us about socialist yeah. events coming up this week in Oklahoma? Yeah, we got some we got some good stuff going on. Uh, on Monday, March 26th, OKCDSA is having its book club. Uh, they sent me a Facebook event link with all the info, but the link didn't work. So uh, I'm going to try and figure that out for the Reddit post. So go check that out if you want to go to that. Um, GCDSA is having its organizing meeting from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Central Library, also on Monday. On Wednesday, March 28th, uh, GCDSA is having its second socialist school session. I think it's about Marxian economics. That sounds really cool to me. Um, From 6.30 to 8 p.m. at TU's Chapman Hall in room 252. Uh, Dream Act OKC is having its weekly vigil to promote immigration justice at 12 noon at an unmarked ICE office located at 3625 Northwest 56th Street, Oklahoma City. On Thursday, Dream Action Oklahoma City will be speaking at the Matriarch and ACLU OK panel on incarceration of communities of color at 6 p.m. at the OK Choctaw Tribal Alliance located at 5320 South Young's Boulevard in the city. Uh, On Friday, March 30th, the new Sanctuary Network of Tulsa will be protesting at the David L. Moss Criminal Justice Center from 2 to 2.20 p.m. Uh, This is important. This used to be on Mondays because it's a weekly protest, and they've just moved it to Fridays. Uh, So if you want to go on Monday, don't go on Monday. They're not going to be there. It's on Friday now. Um, On Saturday, March 31st, GCDSA's Health Justice Working Group is meeting from 1.30 to 3 p.m. at the OU School of Community uh, Medicine. And there are a few other things that are just kind of vaguely happening during the week. Um, Indivisible Oklahoma wants everyone to know that there will be an article out in the Norman Transcript this week about some students they sponsored who went to the March for Our Lives in D.C. And Tulsa Black Lives Matter also wants everyone to know that they were out for the Tulsa March for Our Lives. So they were there and they said, hey, tell everybody about that. Clap, um, clap, 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 Also, snaps for everybody. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I really, like, I think that's important because I think there's like a liberal white understanding of the March for Our Life stuff. And then like there's 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 a more black radical understanding. It's like this is a bit more complicated. And if we're going to talk about how to deal with this stuff, it, you can't really have this framework because some of the protections that have been put in schools have just made the school to prison pipeline worse for people of color. I think March um, for Our Lives is a really good entry point for a lot of people who aren't aware of these issues because uh, I think almost everyone is very much on board with the March for Our Lives movement. And I think from there, you can start exploring a lot of other related issues that affect a lot of communities in much broader ways. Yeah, and, and I think that Black Lives Matter is really well positioned to be involved in that, to be like, hey, you're Absolutely. Here, you, you understand that this is a problem, and if you care about that, like, here's what that is meant for communities. There's, a, there's a very easy next step to saying, like, all right, here are the deeper problems, and yeah. it's time to start acting against those as well. Yeah, which is good stuff. Um, last two things. Uh, the Oklahoma Coalition for Revolution, Revolutionary Action, or OKRA, 
is and that's like a, a combination of a bunch of left-wing groups around the state you know the dsas are in it red dirt defense is in it um they're trying to collect food for the teacher strike to feed kids in coordination with a few other charities and if anybody would like to donate food or help distribute food during the strike they can either message the red dirt defense page or the coalition page and i'll link to the coalition page in the reddit post and they're going to be focusing on areas that are being underserved right now um and then finally the most important thing the strike is coming you know it it's a day after the show no it's not it's next week um Get fucking prepared. I don't care how. I don't care what group you work with. Talk to Okra if you want to. Donate food if you want to. Say you'll be willing to take care of kids. It doesn't matter. Just start getting active on that front. Because it, it's in a week and it's fucking happening. There's no way in hell that the legislature is actually going to do the Anything. OEA plan. If they, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe they'll come up with a $2,000 teacher pay raise and nothing for general education, for health services, or for state employees. And it's not going to work. So... Get fucking ready for the biggest strike action literally in America's history. Yo. It, it's going to happen, and we got to be good to go. Perfect. Well, hey, guys. As always, you can check us out on Twitter, at Red Star Over OK. The subreddit, our Red Star Over Oklahoma, is where we put up all of our good information and all of our links and pages and our favorites for the week. You can listen at SoundCloud and iTunes. If you've got a question, comment, complaint, um, idea for how to extrajudicially punish Carl. RedStarOverOK at gmail.com is our email address. Hey, please tell your friends. Please let people know. And please rate and review on iTunes. Uh, thank you so much uh, for listening. Have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.